Amen. Second Kings chapter 13, I read from verse 15 to verse 19. Second Kings 13, I read verses 15 to 19. I think something is wrong with this microphone. Second Kings chapter 13, verses 15 to 19. Amen. Amen. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Afek, till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice. And he stayed. The last verse. And the man of God was wroth with him. And said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. I pray for someone here. You will not fail on the path of greatness. Amen. On the way to the promised land, you will not fall. Amen. On the way to the promised land, you will not fail. Amen. On the way to the year 2020 and the decade ahead, you will prosper. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The topic I want to discuss with us for a few minutes this afternoon is the arrows of deliverance. The arrows of what? We are still on our, uh, the theme of our prayer retreat, which is divine settlement. And there comes a point in time that you need to fight that you may possess that which the Lord has given unto you. And I speak to someone's life today, you will possess your possessions. Amen. I say you will possess your possessions. Amen. In the passage that we just read, the Bible makes us to understand that Elisha was sick with the sickness with which he died. When you look at verse 14, we did not read that. But verse 14 says, Now Elisha was falling sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And brethren, the year 2019 is sick. And the year is about to die. I said the year is about to die. But there are some things in the year that belongs to you that will not and cannot die with the year. Oh, yeah. And you must take those things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You must take your victory and anointing from this year in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Elisha was about to die. But there was a victory that belonged to the children of Israel. That had not yet been released unto them. And Elijah was going. Elisha, he was going. And unless that man of God, I mean, that king came to him, Elisha would have just gone quietly. 
without releasing that empowerment. But you know, brethren, even though Elisha was able to speak victory into the life of that king, Elisha still went to the grave with some unused anointing. I pray for someone here today. The anointing that is meant for you from this year will not be delayed into next year. Because it's meant to equip you for the years that lie ahead. If you don't obtain it this year, you lose it. You will not miss the power of God in Jesus' name. That king was told to shoot the arrows of deliverance. Before Elisha died, not after. And we're going to be shooting some arrows of deliverance today. And we'll be totally set free in Jesus' name. But you must persevere, brethren, in the place of warfare that you may obtain your total victory. Tell somebody total victory. When Elisha told that king, strike the floor with the arrow, he struck how many times? Three. And he stopped. And Elisha was wrong. Why did you stop? So you should have continued. Then your enemies will be beaten until they are completely destroyed. Tell somebody sitting beside you, don't stop. Don't stop. The victory is not yet won. In other words, you continue to fight until victory is assured. You continue to fight until victory is in your hands. You continue to fight until you can say, yes, I have it. Tell somebody, I have it. You will have it today in Jesus' name. I pray for someone here today. Your blessings and victory will not be buried this year in the name of Jesus. Your blessings and victory will not be taken to the grave in Jesus' name. When we say shoot the arrows of deliverance, what do we mean? What do these arrows signify? We mentioned just a few of them. The arrows of deliverance. The first thing it signifies, I believe we all know that, is prayers. Is what? So prayer is your first arrow of deliverance. And that's why we've set apart a time to say, let us fast, let's seek the face of God, let's come together and let us pray. Because Jesus Christ said, that this kind goeth not but by what? By prayer and fasting. That's very important. Some victories will not be won except by prayer and fasting. I remember the story that the general overseer shared with us of a particular man that they said the man was going to die before the end of the year. They clearly told him that by the time the new year strikes, he will be gone. What did he do? On the 31st of December, he went to the church and sat down and said, I will see the dead that will come and meet me here. And he went to the right church. Tell somebody the right church. Because he could have gone to the wrong church. He could have gone into a church that it was even the pastor that would make him a sacrifice. He went into the church and said, let that dead do what? Come and meet me here. Of course. He defeated death. Any death that is waiting for you this year is today defeated in Jesus' name. Amen. You will see the new year gloriously in the name of Jesus. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7 says, Be careful for nothing. Be careful for what? He said, but in everything. In what? Everything. Brethren, there's nothing too big to pray about. And there's nothing too what? Too small to pray about. When you learn to pray on little things, you'll be able to pray on big things. If you are waiting until you big things, big things come before you begin to pray, you may not pray at all. You will first think of other options before thinking of the right option. Tell somebody, pray so that you will not pray. They used to tell us when we were, I mean, uh, uh, do I say youth? Not youth. This, this was something that used to come up in terms of marriage. That when you want to get married, make sure you pray before you get married. Because if you don't, after you get married, you do what? Pray. You pray. Oh, that is true. If you don't pray so that God will guide you to choosing the right partner, if you get married to the wrong person, ah, you will pray. You will pray. And it will take mercy and grace for God to intervene at that point in time. So pray so that you will not pray. It has a lot of meanings. As we are going into the year 2020, tell your neighbor, please pray. Please pray. Not only when we are in the church, Within the hours between now and the new year, every opportunity you have, you need to do what? Pray. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. That's why in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says Jesus spoke a parable unto them to, the, to this end. Luke 18, verse 1, that men ought always to pray and not to do what? Fainting is a natural tendency. It's natural. It's normal for men to tend towards fainting. It's normal that when you want to pray, even when you, you never felt like sleeping before, that's when what will happen. That's when you feel sleepy. When you are walk, watching a... Uh, 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 ninja and the seven lions on the TV, you will not sleep. But the moment you want to pray, what happens? Uh -uh. Sleep will come up. Pray that you will not pray. It's a man not always to pray and not to faint. So the first thing, the first weapon, and we cannot emphasize this, the first arrow of deliverance is what? Prayer. Number two, very obvious, the word of God. What did I say? The word of God. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the, of the heart. The word of God. It's very important. When the devil came before Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4, how did Jesus defeat the devil? 
How did he defeat the devil? It is written. It is written. He kept rela- I mean, replying the devil by saying, it is written. The word of God is your weapon. It's your weapon. In the book of Psalms chapter 19, from verse 7 to verse 11, the Bible says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The Lord, Lord is what? Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. It is the word of God that converts the soul. It is the word of God that gives wisdom. That's why James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask God. Who gives liberally and does not upbraid? The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. And righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold. Than much fine gold. Sweeter also than what? Than honey and the honeycomb. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by them is thy servant one. In keeping them, there is what? There is great, tell somebody great reward. reward. You want great reward in the new year? The arrow of the word of God must not depart from you. That's why Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not do what? But thou shalt meditate on it day and night. He said, then thou shalt do what? Thou shalt observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. You want prosperity? You want good success? The word of God must be in you. The second arrow of deliverance is what? The word of God. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Unless it's on promises of the word, I mean, of the Lord unto us concerning that the, this arrow of deliverance. Luke 10 19. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Who is the Lord talking today? You you now see why you need not live in fear. God is saying, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Every poison is covered in that statement. All the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means, tell somebody nothing, shall by any means hurt me. Nothing shall by enemies hurt me. That is the word of God. In Romans chapter 16 verse 20. Romans chapter 16 verse 20. The Bible says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He shall bruise Satan where? Where? Under your feet. Where does Satan belong? Under your feet. I think there's a song that says, He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. You know one problem we have as Christians? Is we fail to realize 
that Satan, even before he fell, was an ordinary angel. Satan was what? Jesus was never an angel. Jesus was and is what? The Son of God. How do you compare a messenger with the person that, is, that owns the house? Are they comparable? Are they comparable? Some of us are not sure. You think a messenger is more than the son of the house? There was a story that was shared with us of a very rich man who had only one son. And he had a servant that he loved very much. And when he died, he wrote in his will that he was giving his son only one thing. And every other thing he had was for what? Was for the servant. No matter how exalted Satan was before he fell, he was an ordinary servant. That's what the Bible calls them. And so this man, when the boy, when they read his father's will, the boy started crying. He said, is this how my father loves me? Or maybe it's to change it. Is this how my father did what? Hates me. That he says everything he has belongs to his servant. And now he's giving me only what? One thing. And the boy was thinking, and he was angry, he was angry. But he had the sense to go to elders. And he went to elders. And said, what do I take of all the things that my father has? And they told him, he that owns the servant, owns what? Owns everything. You are given only one thing. And so what, does he, what, what did he choose? The he chose the servant. And that automatically means every other thing fell unto who? Unto him. Satan was just, at his best time, was an angel. How much more when he's falling? The Bible says our God will bruise his head underneath what? Our feet. Let's never forget that. That's why Bible scholars tell us that in the Bible there are 365 fear notes. That's one for, for, for what? One for each day. Have you taken your dose of fear note for today? Tell somebody fear not. You have nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely what? Nothing. Nothing to be afraid of. If Satan is not to be afraid of, how can you be afraid of his messengers? When we give them room to oppress us, we allow them to cheat us. But the Bible is making us to understand today that Satan will be bruised underneath my feet. Tell somebody, Satan, Satan. will be bruised underneath my feet. So shall it be in Jesus' name. The third weapon that we have, what was the first weapon? The second? The third weapon is your confession of faith. What did I say? Confession of faith. Confession of faith. Jesus Christ said in Mark 11, 23 and 24, he said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the, uh, unto the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Verse 24. 
He said, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray. Now it doesn't say if you pray. It says what? So your confession of faith does not exonerate you from what? From prayer. But it only means you are going to pray. And when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you will have them. Your confession of faith is the third arrow of deliverance. I want us all to say this after me. Say, surely, he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And from the noise on pestilence. That's Psalm 91, verse 3. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Say after me. Say, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Is that not wonderful? Paul said, the Lord shall deliver who? Who? God is a, brethren, it's a statement of assurance. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 14. Verses 14 to 15. Are we there? Say it after me. Say, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That was against me. Which was contrary to me. And took it out of the way. Nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The Bible is making us to understand, dear brethren, that God, Jesus, fought a battle in going to the cross for you and I, and he won the victory. Tell somebody he won the victory. Now, it's not that he did it quietly. The Bible makes us understand that where Jesus was crucified was at a crossroad. So that people were passing and seeing that this is the Son of God. Or they said, behold, this was the Son of God, whatever they put there. But everybody saw it. And so the Bible makes us to understand that after Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them how? Openly. Openly. Jesus disgraced the devil. Do you know that? Yes, He's still disgracing the devil. In your life, he will continue to disgrace the devil. Amen. Jesus conquered the world and gave us victory. Victory, victory, hallelujah. Jesus conquered the world and gave us Hallelujah, victory, victory, hallelujah. One more time, conquer the world and give up victory. Hallelujah, victory. 
Hallelujah. Remember, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. He stole the authority from Brother Adam. And he made himself the ruler until Christ came. And Christ defeated him. In secret and in open. That you and I might live a victorious Christian life. So what is the third weapon we just talked about? Confession Our confession of faith. Our confession of faith. The weapon number four is praise and worship. I'm sure we all know that. I want to enjoy someone here today. That you normally come to church after praise and worship. Repent. Tell your neighbor, repent. Brother, praise and worship is very important. Many of us cannot spend 10, I mean 10 minutes worshiping God by ourselves. But we set some, some time apart, come to church, come and praise God. Come and worship Him. Do you know that many of us, our victories, victories obtained during praise and worship? It's not when we are praying. God is not restricted. As we are talking now, as we are sharing the word, he is perfecting some people's victory. But don't leave out praise and worship. It's very important. It's very important. The Bible makes us to understand that our God inhabits what? The praises of his people. In Psalm 22 verse 3. It inhabits the praise of his people. When you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. The Bible says, When they began to sing and to praise, they began to do what? Sing and praise. The Lord sent ambushment against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Monsair, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. As the children of Judah began to praise God, God sent confusion into the midst of their enemies. And I'm telling someone here today, because you are here today, God is sending confusion to the camp of your enemy. Amen. They will begin to destroy each other in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is what happened here. As the children of God were praising God, God sent confusion into their midst, and the enemies of Judah began to kill themselves. Judah only needed to praise God. And the Bible says, when they came the following morning, and they said, ah, let's go and see what happened there. All the people there were dead. And the Bible says it took them three days. Tell somebody three days. Three days. Three days. Taking the spoils of war. They gained the wealth. I mean, it took them three days to pack the wealth for what all, all they did was what? Just praising God. Just singing. Just worshipping God. And brethren, like we were sharing last week, it doesn't matter how good or how bad your voice is. Just do what? Just praise Him. You know, do you know the meaning of hallelujah? What's the meaning of hallelujah? Hallelujah means praise the Lord. You cannot sing, I mean your voice is not as good as mine. Why are you laughing? If your voice is not as good as mine, just shout hallelujah. Will somebody shout hallelujah? I want a man whose voice is not very good to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
So the other men are they say they are saying that their voices are what? I didn't hear Brother Michael's hallelujah. I'm listening to your hallelujah. The man is laughing. Oh yeah, shout hallelujah, Brother Michael. Uh, this has, that's a very weak hallelujah. Again, bro, Mike, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Ah. Okay, maybe it's because he's fasting. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You cannot sing. Just shout hallelujah. When you shout hallelujah, all you are saying is, Praise the Lord. God is exalted. God is exalted. And his name is glorified. Brethren, the Bible says Paul and Silas in prison in Acts chapter 16. What were they doing? At midnight, they were praising God. Their hands were tied. Their feet were tied. They were not free in any way. But their hallelujah chorus shook the foundations of the prison. The Bible says their chains were broken up. When it was morning, they were the ones that saved the, the jailer. He was going to kill himself. No, we are here. Let somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So your weapon number four is your praise and worship. And brethren, yes, we have a very good choir and they are getting better. Amen. I said they are getting better. Amen. But don't wait for the choir before you praise the Lord. Anytime. You are cooking in the kitchen. Begin to do what? You know there are some songs that our, our mothers will sing. That their husband knows that the woman is singing against him. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. And the man will say, is it me you are singing that song for? And then it will be katakata round two. Instead of that, you get to the kitchen. Why don't you begin to do what? Let the angels of God help you in cooking that soup. Even though the salt is not enough, when your husband tastes it, say, wow, this is the best I've tasted in a long time. Not because he's lying, but because the angels of God have, uh, they have ensured that the condiments are well mixed. Amen? You are preparing something you are going to sell, and you are praising God and worshiping God. You take it to where you want to sell it. You don't know why. They just say, look, do you have more? You want to order for more. It's not because there are people that can do it better than you. But because while preparing it, what were you doing? You were praising God. You were praising God. You were worshipping God. You don't have to do it my own way. I don't have to do it your own way. Except that some of us, we are full of the songs of uh, who? Somebody tell me. Some songs that you know will not edify God. Don't be shy. You know them. Okay, I will think of one. Uh, no, wait, is this Maria Carey? Is she a Christian artist? Good. Some of us were full of the songs of Maria Carey. Or let me talk of the one that is my generation. Michael, this, this starts in the spirit. You keep thinking that you are bad. How will your produce not be bad? You are, you, are, you are preparing something you want to go and sell, and all you are singing is everything shouting around you is that you are bad. Even if you put the best into it, it will turn out what? Bad. Learn to praise God. 
Saturate your home with the Spirit of God in praise and worship. All those demonic rock songs, all those demonic rock lyrics, get rid of them. They are not helping you. They are lyrics from the pit of hell. Then they will say now they have rock Christian. God will help you. It's true. They will, oh, okay, it's Christian rock, not rock Christian. You cannot sugarcoat the devil. The devil knows what he's doing. I hope you know that. He knows what he's doing. Brethren, demons have entered into the church in the name of Christianity. What the word of the Bible says, let God be true. And let what? Let all men be liars. God will not change for you. You will do what? Change for God. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same way. He has not changed. And he will not change. He will not change. That's why we call him the unchangeable changer. What people are we talking about? Praise and worship. Very important. We are going to praise God today. And God will hear us. Amen. I say God will hear us. Amen. The next people I want to talk about, I believe that's number five, is the blood of Jesus. What weapon? What was weapon number one? Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Clap for yourself. We are wonderful students. The blood of Jesus is the next arrow. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 verse 11, and they overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. But then, that blood is still flowing. And the blood has not lost its power. From day to day, it will never lose its power. Way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. To the highest mount, and it flows the blood, the blood that gives me strength from day. Today it will never That song says the blood that gives me strength. How often? It's not that uh, I shouted the blood last year and it will give me strength till now. From day to day, is there anything stopping from bleeding the blood every day? Nothing. The blood is inexhaustible. If it's been flowing and it's still flowing. And you cannot finish it. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Tell somebody, I overcome, I overcome. By, the by the blood of Jesus. Say it again, I overcome, I overcome. by the blood of Jesus. Blood of One more time, I overcome, I overcome. by the blood of Jesus. First John chapter 1 verse 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. First John 1 7. 
We have fellowship one with another. And what? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. From how many sin? All. all sin. Very important. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1. In whom we have redemption through what? Through his blood. Ephesians 1 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. That's why the Bible says, where sin abounds, what happened? Grace. grace much more abound. So sin can never overcome grace. The more sin multiplies, the more what? The more grace abounds. The more grace multiplies. Grace is always ahead of sin. But that is not a, I mean, a, a, a license for us to be perpetual and unrepentant sinners. That's why the Bible says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the Bible answers. What's the answer? God forbid. If the Bible had not answered it, I can imagine what some brothers and sisters would say. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? They would say it depends. <laughs> oh, yes. It depends on where you are. It depends on if your husband is there or not. It depends on, uh, you know, uh, some people do It's loneliness. It's not me. In fact, you know, it's the devil. And so many excuses. But the, the Bible does not just say no. What does the Bible say? In other words, it's an abomination to continue in sin that grace may abound. That's very important. Now look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from what? The cross of the Lord. Whatever be the cross of the Lord, Christ has redeemed us. Because he was made a cause for us. For it is written, cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Remember, brethren, when he was hanging on the tree, his blood was flowing for you and I. Is that not so? He said that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The last two weapons we are going to talk about, number, eight, number, number six is Holy Communion. What did I say? Holy it's a weapon. It's a weapon. It's an arrow against the enemy. An arrow for your deliverance. Remember the origin of the communion? It was the Passover meal. When the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will do what? I will pass over you. In Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Very, very important. That was the beginning. And Jesus became our Passover lamb. Is that not so? He became our Passover lamb. And that's why he said we should do this in remembrance of him. That's why Paul said, when you take the communion unworthily, he said some of you are sick, some of you are weak, and some of you sleep. 
because the communion is taken out unworthily. It's very important. Very powerful. Very strong. We'll be talking more about this tomorrow. Because tomorrow we are going to be taking the communion and we'll be having an anointing service. And so the last weapon, the last arrow we want to talk about is what? Anointing. Anointing. The Bible tells me in Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27, the last part of it, it said the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Every contrary yoke, every yoke you are carrying, the anointing of God will destroy in Jesus' name. Amen. I said the anointing of God will destroy in Jesus' name. Amen. I said the anointing of God will destroy in Jesus' name. Amen. 